and I'm sitting there with Woody, and uh, I say, I turn to him, and I go, uh, boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Is that how you're going to say it? No, no, I'm working on it. Do it like this. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Oh, these pretzels are making me thirsty. No, no, see, that's no good. See, you don't know how to act. These pretzels... I'm making me thirsty, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. 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 And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We're a Melbourne Seinfeld podcast, and every week we take a random episode of Seinfeld and examine the secondary characters from it. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen. I'm the other host, Ivan. And I'm the friend of the podcast, I guess we could say, or regular, semi-regular guest, Stacey. <laughs> That's right. It's been a little while since mm. you've uh, been with us, Stacey, so welcome back. It's qu- it's great to have you back in the virtual studio. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a different experience for us. But I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, we'd teed up. I'm pretty sure we'd teed up to do something right before lockdown started. So there's been a bit of a delay, but here we are in the future. <laughs> yeah, you were meant to come to the Vandalay Studios, but due to the Melbourne lockdown, which uh, just started again a couple of weeks ago, yeah, we're all back in our homes, just like we did a few months ago in Melbourne. So yeah, I guess we got to do it this way for now. And uh, yeah, it's really good that you've come back, Stace. Really good to see you again. It's been a while. It has indeed. It has. I can't actually can't remember what the last episode we did together was. I remember having a lot of fun with it, as as we always do, and being in the middle of a lockdown and not having a huge amount of social interaction. I'll have to try and not chatterbox too much. <laughs> you chat away, Stace, <laughs> chat away. Anyway, the three of us are here and it's wonderful and we got another episode today. Uh, we are doing Season 3, Episode 11, The Alternate Side, and a few interesting secondary characters, guys. Today we'll be talking about Car Parker, I guess you call him, uh, Sid, <laughs> uh, the rental car agent Rita, uh, Elaine's episode boyfriend Owen Mars, and uh, I do have one or two notes on the paramedic who comes to help out Owen after he has his stroke. Uh, do either of you have any other notes on any other secondary characters? Uh, not me. I've just got... A- a brief note, I suppose, on the car thief. Ah, yes, the car thief. The over the car phone. Yeah, an unseen secondary character, one of many. Mm. Actually, voiced by Larry David in an uncredited. Exactly, role. which oh. is why I thought it granted mention. Fair enough. I did not know that. Uh, if you <laughs> want to get in touch with us, you can email us at bidwabaspodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on your podcast app of choice. And if you want to help us out, you can leave a five star rating or review, um, or just let us know what you think. You can also support us financially. That's right. Uh, we are on Patreon, PayPal, and Podhe. Hero. And on Patreon, you do get bonus content, including Curbcast Season 2, our review of each episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, as well as Season 11, our latest podcast. And that's where Stephen and I, we write original episodes of Seinfeld set in the modern era, and we read out the plots to you. So very exciting. And uh, big thanks to our current patrons as of recording, Tim, Holly, Nakia, Jeff, Kelly, Neil, and Dan. Big thanks, guys. And uh, finally, if you want to join in some fun on Facebook, make sure you check out our Seinfeld Facebook group, Seinfeldisms. It is the biggest uh, Seinfeld Facebook group. Uh, we're up to about 73,000 members now. And uh, as of the time Woo! that this... Yeah, so it's... Huge. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> 
<laughs> as of the time of this episode's release, we will be running regular trivia events as well. So uh, if you want to check that out, just jump on the group, have a look. Uh, you'll see a post somewhere at the top and all the details will be there. It was 71K, now it's 73K. I'm huge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm huge, Jerry. <laughs> That's great. Well done, guys. Yeah. I know that it had been um, yeah. slowly growing, you know, the community on the Facebook group was slowly growing, like Steve has mentioned it a couple of times, but that's like huge community of people coming together over their shared love of Seinfeld. Yeah, it's really funny because I, I went through our Patreon page probably a couple of weeks ago just to like edit, you know, some old episodes we put on there. And there was this bonus episode we did, I think, in July of 2018 or thereabouts. And I think that's probably a month or two after Stephen started the page. And it was like, follow our page, Seinfeldisms. There's one and a half thousand members already. Wow. Yeah, the rapidness of the growth has been mind-blowing. I talk about it pretty much every week, just how quickly it's grown considering it's, it's awesome. young age. So, yeah, so if you yeah, are a member yeah. of Seinfeldisms, thank you for being part of an awesome community and, uh, yeah, check out the trivia. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Uh, Seinfeldisms is where we usually start. I don't have any this week, do either of you? No, I do not. But, uh, Stacey, I think you said off air that you have one. Is that right? Yes, I do. I have finally managed to show up um, having done my homework for the first time in probably three episodes. Nice. So this week just passed, or obviously we're at the end of it now, but this week that um, we've just had, my housemate and I went for a drive to go get some food one day and went to check out this amazing bagel shop on the, uh, not at the south side, it's in Cremorne, but it's called Sable, I think. And my housemate had been there a few days prior and I saw some like pictures of what she'd ordered on social media and was like, oh my God, can we please go? Anyway, so we'd driven down there, went inside. It's in this sort of little alleyway in Cremorne. You wouldn't like necessarily see it unless you were looking for it, but it's a fantastic spot, delicious food. And um, we walked in and I was like looking in the, you know, in the window and at the menu, like everything was very exciting and overwhelming. And then I turned to my right and on this beautiful big like concrete wall, they had the Kramer poster. Ah, sweet. Or like the artwork, you know, in a frame and everything. But it had the little Mm. Seinfeld logo in the, in gold sort of down in the bottom corner. So it was like marketed merchandise, but it was the Kramer right up in, you know, peak pride of place. Uh, on the wall in this lovely little bagel shop. So I was like, hey, like walked in and saw Kramer and was like, yeah, Kramer. And then I was like, oh, perfect. Now I've got a Seinfeldism and I got to eat amazing bagels. What a fantastic No bagel, no bagel, no bagel. Yeah. So many bagels. (laughs) I'd definitely go back. Ah, sweet. We probably, after lockdown, we should all go and get a bagel, eh? We should definitely do that. That sounds amazing. When we can can see you all again. (laughs) This is not really a Seinfeldism, but it's just, uh, I've just remembered this. About two months ago, I drove through Northcote and I noticed Noticed that the Larry David bagel uh, shop had closed down. Mm. Uh, I've mentioned oh, it a few yeah. times on the podcast, and I've ordered a bagel or two from there over the years. Uh, and yeah, I noticed that it was completely empty. I don't know if it shut down before or after the lockdown, or if it was just a coincidence. Uh, mm. But yeah, bit of a sad thing to see because uh, you know a cool restaurant like that empty is. I mean, it's a more common sight these days, but uh, obviously mm. related to us. And yeah, bit of. A I was actually thinking about that um, bagel shop though, because obviously having gone to Sable and seeing the Kramer poster, and, and then knowing that I'd talk about that on the pod was making me think about the Larry David bagel shop, obviously, because there's a crossover there. And then I was like, what's the deal with bagels being branded to Seinfeld? Like I know Seinfeld is a 
quintessentially New York TV show. And I feel like a bagel is sort of a, obviously like broadly American, but more famously per se, New York bagels. So I was like, is that the connection that that's a theme or is it just a weird coinkydink? I think it's the Jewish connection as well. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. So and possibly because bagels were uh, featured in the strike episode in season nine. So where Kramer mm. worked at H&H bagels. So that's probably that. True. Sort of connection. Yeah. So there's yeah. a few different. I was and, just having like one of those little, you know, oh, I wonder if that's a theme. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a few connections there. I also think it's it's pretty easy to relate almost anything to Seinfeld. It's just such a popular, powerful, all all like well known brand. You can just be like, oh yeah, there's I sell so drink- many pop culture references. Yeah, and you're like, I sell drink bottles. You know, that's a Seinfeld thing. So we'll call it Seinfeld's drink bottles. You could just take anything and link <laughs> yeah. it to Seinfeld, even if it's even if yep. it's tenuous. You could do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next segment, Seinfeld news. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, new segments this week. I would say that this is the final chapter in the long running comedian in cars getting coffee court case that started i think in around 2017 or 2018 so back i in, thought it finished well My god I, it's still going yeah so i thought it finished it well back in may so just to give a brief background on the case so a former business partner of jerry seinfeld his name is uh christian charles he sued jerry in 2018 i think or 2017 claiming that he was the original creator of the idea of comedians and cars getting coffee and uh he he sued for copyright infringement and for unpaid royalties and a whole bunch of other things it was dismissed the, the court was uh, the case was dismissed in May this year because the statute of limitations had run out. The original show aired in 2012. And as soon as a show or any sort of intellectual property begins, uh, there's a three-year statute of limitations. And because he didn't file until six years after the show had aired, the case was dismissed. He lodged an mm-hmm. appeal straight after that determination in May. And the, dis- uh, the, the appeal was dismissed, basically affirming the original judgment made in May. So I think this is the final, final chapter in... <laughs> So, yeah, bit of a long saga. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it sounds like it. I know. I think you first reported on this. Yeah, you, you reported on it, I think, when we first started this podcast. Yeah, it was 2017, 2018. It's been going for oh. two to three years. Uh, and, <laughs> wow. And, yeah, and what I've just described is a very, very short summary of, of all the ins and outs of the case. So, if you want to know all mm. of the uh, specifics, just do a bit of research and there's uh, a lot to read through. Second bit of news, a bit sad. Well, very sad, actually. A Seinfeld alumni, Regis Philbin, he sadly passed away today actually uh so he oh. was yeah so he was a very famous talk show host in america and also a game show host he featured mm. in the episode uh the opposite with uh alongside his real life talk show partner kathy lee gifford uh and they had famously had kramer on the show showing off his coffee table book. with the coffee table book that's right this guy's bonkers this guy's bunkers <laughs> this guy's bonkers yeah, so yeah, Regis uh, and Kathy are huge names, like not so much massive. here in Australia, but I think even just the reference is so big. We all know what it is, even though we've never seen any of the actual shows, or I haven't at least. I don't think they were on telly here, but I feel like everybody sort of knows their names. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, they, they were such a cultural, I mean, Regis was a cultural force in his own right, but that show mm. was definitely his sort of professional and commercial peak. So he was oh, 88. poor fellow. Yeah, he was 88 yeah. when he passed away, and he passed away uh, due to natural causes. Um, There was a bit of a press release put out by his family. His career really kicked off in 1985 when Regis and Kathy Lee started. That show ran until 2000. Kathy Lee was replaced... 
Yeah, so 15 years. Kathy Lee oh was replaced gosh. by Kelly Ripper, and then it became Regis yep. and Kelly. That show ran until 2011. And uh, on and off, he was also the uh, host for the US version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So quite a prolific career. Yeah, incredible. Rest in peace, man. That's right. Anyway, let's take a really quick break, guys. And we are going to talk about The Alternate Side, Season 3, Episode 11, and its wonderful secondary characters. And this week, we do have a very special guest with us, Stacey, the much-loved, <laughs> popular special guest co-host. So many people have been asking for you, Stace. I'm back. I'm back, and I only have one thing to say. These pretzels <laughs> are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> these pretzels are making me thirsty. These pretzels are making me thirsty. And uh, while we're on a break, you go have some pretzels too. We'll see you soon. Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. The Alternate Side is Season 3, Episode 11 of Seinfeld. This episode first aired in the US on December 4th, 1991, directed by Tom Sharones and written by Larry David and Bill Masters. After Jerry has his car stolen, and he even speaks to the remorseless thief on his car phone, uh, he, the thief is voiced by Larry David, he tries to rent a replacement, but learns that it isn't quite as simple as he thought it would be. George is intrigued to learn that there's a man in Jerry's neighbourhood who earns his living by parking everyone's car and moving them when required. Uh, he's played by Jay Brooks. George thinks he's onto something that he could do as well as anyone. Everyone is a bit jealous when Kramer gets a one-line speaking part in Woody Allen's new movie, which is being filmed in part just outside Jerry's apartment. But nothing seems to work out for any of them. So other secondary characters include uh, Edward Penn as Owen, uh, Elaine's episode boyfriend, the 66-year-old boyfriend, uh, Janet Zarish, she plays Rita, the rental car agent, and Jeff Barton plays the paramedic. Nice, nice. Bit of trivia about the episode. What do you have, Steve? The idea for the Woody Allen story came from uh, Larry David's experience working with Woody Allen in the past before Seinfeld. He appeared briefly in uh, a couple of movies of Woody's, Radio Days in 1987 and uh, New York Stories in 1989. Yes, and speaking of Woody Allen, there were two possible films that Woody could have been filming uh, during 1991 when this episode aired. The 1991 film Shadows and Fog and the 1992 film Husbands and Wives. But apparently uh, Shadows and Fog is set in like the old old day times and um, seeing as Kramer wasn't in any period clothing um, it's likely the movie was probably Husbands and Wives <laughs> ah yep that, yes these pretzels go. are making me thirsty that's right I also saw that there was a suggestion that the storyline between Elaine and Owen in the episode could potentially be a sort of nod to another one of Woody Allen's films named Manhattan where a I think sort of a 40 uh, nearly 50 year old man is dating a 17 year old that I oh, feel like right. the the age difference between Elaine and Owen might be a, another little nod to Alan. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, 50 and 17 is a bit different to 66 and what Elaine's like early 30s, like both consenting adults, not a teenager and a middle-aged man. Yes. Very, yes, uh, mm. very much so. It same was age. 1991. That's true. Same age difference, but uh, yeah, different different specifics, I think. <laughs> well, there's the adult, yeah. you know, there's informed consent and somebody's ability to consent as an adult. Yes, yes, mm. that's right. <laughs> what I found interesting was that in 2012, in an interview, uh, Jerry Seinfeld identified this as his least favorite episode. Um, he said mm. he's pointed to the uh, Owen storyline of speci specifically when he has a stroke, and he said that it made him feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm guessing Elaine scene at the end as well, where she sort of coldly but tries to make it sort of you know, lighthearted uh, when she breaks up with him. That scene was a bit rough. It was a bit awkward. Yeah, a bit awkward. But I guess at the end of the episode, Elaine says that he's, you know, basically recovered and uh, he reveals off screen that uh, he was just with Elaine for the sex. That's true. That's true. So you can't feel completely sorry for him, I guess. No. 
No, that's true. And the yeah. way Elaine says that, you know, when she's delivering that information at the table in the diner, she sort of says it very offhandedly in a sense that she doesn't seem, you know, usually I guess that if you heard someone was just using you for sex, you may be expected to be a bit more, um, you know, angry or hurt or frustrated or whatever. But I feel like because the breakup was so awkward and she's very aware of the fact that she kind of left him um, in a very vulnerable state that she doesn't really seem, you know, it feels very even keel and that there's no resentment or even sort of investment from Elaine um, when they're discussing it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was even a bit of a relief for Elaine, uh, you know. The fact mm, that, yeah, the that's fact kind that, of what I think I was yeah. sort of saying is like it sort of quells some of her guilt for breaking up with him in that sort of way when he was also doing the wrong thing by her in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Worked out in yeah. the end. It, yeah. them, them using yeah. kind of cancelled each other out and it's all good. Exactly. It worked out in the wash. <laughs> even Stephen. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, even Stephen. Sort of. Even Stephen. Just like sort Jerry's of. life. Very, a very problematic one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> two wrongs made right. A rare time when that is yeah, true. A, a New York Post article listed the famous pretzels line, these pretzels are making me thirsty, which we've uh, said probably too many times already, as Seinfeld's- Never enough. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it was listed as one of Seinfeld's 25 greatest contributions to the English language. And I would argue that it, it's probably like top 10 famous line quoted amongst Seinfeld fans yeah. and even sort of casual Agreed. or even non-Seinfeld fans. You know, no suit for you, this line and a handful of others, I would say, are the most iconic. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be like top five most yep. memorable yep. and most sort of pervasive pop culture references to come out of the show. Sure. Um, I don't know if you remember this, boys, but one of the years that I I was in Denmark over the summertime. So I think it was probably like two years ago on one of my trips to Denmark, I sent in a photo for um, the Instagram of socials and stuff of a mm. bag of pretzels from this shop in Denmark. Yeah, and it yeah, had yeah. the quote on the outside of the bag of pretzels. That's right. Nice. Yeah, you saw quite a few Seinfeldisms in Denmark. I did, I yeah, when I was there. over in yeah. Europe. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like that's how, you know, it's used on packaging for generic branded pretzels in Denmark like that's how kind of massive that quote has become and I mean Seinfeld I don't imagine is especially popular in Denmark I mean it, it didn't really reach much of an audience beyond the US Canada Australia UK and maybe New Zealand so mm. yeah I mean that t that's a testament to the popularity of that line mm -hmm. yeah and speaking of these pretzels are making me thirsty this is my last trivia guys so Jerry after this episode aired Jerry had like a stand-up tour and in his next stand-up tour audience members would chant the uh, phrase virtually during every performance he was in and they'd even throw pretzels on stage oh. yeah I read that today too <laughs> How good is that? That's I'm sure he fucking hated that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just for a short time it happened, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Tom Jones got underwear and uh, Jerry Seinfeld got pretzels. <laughs> pretzels? Yeah, I actually take true. the pretzels personally. Yeah, I yeah. take the pretzels over the underwear, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know who wore these underwear. I don't know where they came from. Uh, you know, pretzels are fine. Just throw me up an unopened bag of pretzels and we're good. Yeah, That's I it. don't want them to be like, pre-handled. I want no. bags of pretzels. Yeah, no, yeah, give me bags of those Danish or like, pretzels. Or fresh, fun. the big German like fresh baked ones where it's like crunchy on the outside but real bread still on the inside because of how thick oh, it is. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then in some stuff. sort of like biodegradable packaging so that I don't have to eat what people that's it mm. and uh yeah Very those true. those like gem those german pretzels with mustard like good hot mustard amazing. oh so, so good, good. Yeah. yes except like the german ones myself. aren't usually vegan no i was going to say i have hot butter with mine but i don't think you two mm. could yeah and sometimes that. there's egg in the dough oh ah, I didn't know that. Yes. Mm, but it depends anyway delicious 
Indeed. <laughs> anyway, you know what is delicious? These secondary characters. So who shall Ooh. we talk about? <laughs> who shall we talk about today first from the alternate side, guys? Uh, let's talk about Sid. Sure. He's played by Jay Brooks. He's also appeared in uh, Grave Secrets and The War. And this isn't the first time we've spoken about Sid. We talked about him in the Parking Space episode. He uh, appears later on in season three in that episode. This is the second time we are talking about him in general on the podcast. So uh, I think with Sid, he's a bit aloof. I feel like he's, well, he's getting older, he's getting on, he's becoming a bit absent-minded as well. Like, he's even doing stuff like leaving keys in cars, which would explain, well, you know, which explains why Jerry's car got uh, got stolen. Yeah, so with Sid, I sort of um, was thinking about him in terms of the sort of character of the curmudgeon old man, perhaps. You know, he's got a little bit of an attitude, but he also seems like he's, you know, pretty tired and beat down. And he's obviously, um, you know, he speaks about needing to go see his sister and his nephew having an injury and um, needing money and stuff. So he seems like, you know, probably... And they speak about the fact that he's been parking the cars for a long time and does it for everybody on the block. So as you said, you know, he sort of seems like he's getting a bit older, running out of steam, mm. um, maybe becoming a little bit absent-minded and, and forgetful that he's, you know, left the keys and essentially had Jerry's car stolen. But on yeah. the flip side of that, you know, when he comes in, he sort of initially apologises about the car being stolen, but then very quickly, you know, like the apology seems genuine, but it doesn't necessarily seem like he's all that beat up about about it because he just seems really tired, you know, as yeah. you were saying, like he's just he's on his way out. Um, he's an older yeah. guy, he's got a pretty active job, he's been doing it for a long time and he's just kind of doesn't really give a fuck anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. he's pretty much retired. Know, is, yeah, kind of. Like he's, he's, he's one foot out the door, as you might say, and, you know, George mm. is asking him questions when George thinks that he has, you know, a way to make some fast money and he's suddenly really excited and asking questions and um, Sid's like, I don't care who, you know, who parks the cars, like they can park themselves for all I care. So you can tell mm. he's sort of losing his... <laughs> His love for the car parking. Uh, yeah. Passion for moving cars. Maybe it was, um, I mean, I agree that he is just generally running out of steam and is there, there's not many fucks for him to give anymore about mm. parking cars. But maybe he was especially in a bad spot. Maybe his mind was elsewhere because of his sister and his nephew, you know, and, and you know, there was probably extra frustration in the the preceding days because of the uh, film being shot down the road that probably added some traffic stress and made things a bit more yeah which he speaks to to. yeah yeah so you know Mm. maybe those two things combined because I I think if he'd done something as bad as uh, leaving keys in a car and it getting stolen I don't think he if he he was doing that even semi-regularly I don't think he would have been doing it for this long I think normally Mm. up until this point he's really sharp really reliable yeah it seems very out of character and Jerry seems really surprised which I think is I mean partly because it's Jerry and he doesn't really care about anything and he definitely doesn't really care about things that cost money. But, you know, Mm. if my car had just been stolen off the street because someone left the keys in it, I probably would have been a little bit more, like, annoyed, not necessarily at the person, but just generally about the the situation. But Jerry's always so nonchalant because he's just like, oh, I'll just get another one. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. I have money, you know. He's that kind of type. But Sid doesn't, you know, seem, like, too... Uh, beat up about it I guess you know he's he's obviously like regretful that he was absent minded but he doesn't really he's just not invested anymore yeah I was just going to say it was um, I feel like yeah you're right it's a mixture of the Woody Allen production across the street and also mm. um, probably he really he sounds like he really cares about his nephew as well and he really yeah. wants the money for surgery so I think yeah it's a combination of things and it's really wearing him out and he's just forgetting the little things yeah for sure for sure and I he think, even uh, blames George and says you know thanks to you 
you my nephew's going to have a limp because I needed that money to send to my sister. So he's even sort of saying, you know, now that we've, you know, this situation's happened and I haven't got enough money to even help them anymore. So that would obviously be a very frustrating situation for old Sid. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, once this situation had sort of blown over and the production had moved on, I think he'd be asking himself some questions about what he wants to do going forward. Mm. Is he still doing this job in the parking space? I honestly can't remember. No, well, at the end, you see some secondary characters and Sid happens to be walking past. Um, Ah. I'm a pretty like half glass full kind of guy. And I want to think that because he does mention that he loses a lot of clients. I want to think that he maybe earned the trust back from the, you know, the neighborhood and he's probably got business again and he's doing it. So he was probably just walking around because it was outside of Jerry's building, that car spot. I I think if he was parking cars for tons of clients for decades and he was always reliable. Yeah, I I think everyone would be forgiving of, look, you know, no one's perfect. And Mm. And it was also while George was doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's true. It wasn't even Sid. Yeah, he probably probably explained the situation to the clients and said, it wasn't me, I was away. Yeah, I could imagine him being sort of an old school guy and doing the right thing and, you know, knocking on every client who left him's door, explaining Mm. the situation and saying, look, you know, a lot of it was out of my hands. This is what happened. And then once they understood and had a chat, then uh, then happily being his client again and, and, you know, things sort of getting back on track for it. Yeah, I'd like to think so too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do either of you have anything else about Sid? No, there's nothing from me about him. Um, but I think, yeah, we do see him in the parking space. And I think that's the last time we actually see him in Seinfeld in general. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. What about you, Stace? Uh, I don't have any other notes for Sid other than the fact that I liked his funky styles. I liked his outfits. Yeah, funky, funky. Yeah, he's pretty suave. His uh, his hat's cool and his leather jacket. His hat very... and also I appreciate an orange and brown. It's always a classic retro combo. For sure, for sure. The he kind of he kind of looked like he, he his fashion stopped sort of in the mid-70s and he's just maintained that same fashion style since then, which is perfectly mm-hmm. fine because he can he yeah. can pull it off very well. Absolutely. I love the Jaffa look, the, the black and orange. It or is the brown and orange. All right, let's talk about the rental car agent, Rita. Rita, yes. She was played by Janet Zarish. She's known for the films Mystic Pizza and The Next Big Thing. So I think she probably doesn't really have a good sense of humor or she's really focused on her role because you know how Jerry makes, you know, despite the fact Jerry is making wisecracks about her not being able to hold reservations and that sort of thing. I feel like, you know, even like Rita couldn't crack a smile or, you know, she was just really stern. Like, how did you guys feel? about that i think she's just kind of over smart ass customers to be honest she kind of looks like she was just yeah. i don't think that she's humorless i think that she just puts up with a lot of smart asses and jerry's just one of many and she just <laughs> doesn't tolerate it and just tries to keep it focused on the policies of the the car hire place and doesn't really just has a low tolerance for buffoonery or, or silly behaviors but i think outside of work she's probably a bit more relaxed and you know is uh not as sort of stern and uptight and i feel like it was probably an admin error for her uh you know forgetting the reservation or you know cancelling the reservation by accident it was probably just something in the system yeah i don't think it was her specifically i mean she's a customer service mm. you know or a counter person i don't think she was the one who looked after that reservation specifically she just mm. had, to de- had to deal with the you know the car that jerry requested not being available but i think she handled herself well you know she maintains a straight face she's very professional you know and you can see her face going like Ugh. Just let me go talk to the manager and I'll see what yes. I can do for you. She, But she keeps it together very well. Yeah, props for that scene where Jerry and Elaine are pretending to be the manager and the, you know, and the worker and they're talking Having to each other. Having a fake conversation. Yeah, and it's, and, it mirrored, and it's mirrored behind the door with Rita and her supervisor talking. <laughs> Such a good funny. camera shot. Yeah, I, I like as well when, uh, Jer- when she comes back out and Jerry goes, you know what, it looked like you're having a real conversation in there. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, I found Rita to be, um, I definitely think that she did a pretty good job of keeping her cool, as you said. And even though Jerry was making some wisecracks, they were well-founded wisecracks and they were nothing too uh, sharp around the edges, I guess you could say. But I definitely noticed that Rita seemed, you know, you're sort of saying like she seemed to keep a level head and she's good at her job. But I even sort of saw her as taking it to that next level and being like a little bit of an automaton because, you know, when Jerry is like, oh, I don't think you understand. And she's like, no, I understand why we have reservations. Um, mm. It's nearly like she's a little bit sort of like robotic or a pre-recorded message or something. And then even though Jerry's, you know, being like, well, and you know, and makes the point about the reservation, she doesn't really seem, she seems somewhat miffed, but she doesn't really seem frustrated. Like I think that a lot of other people you know, maybe would be. And then again, when Jerry makes that crack about, oh, you looked like you were having a real conversation back there. She sort of doesn't seem, you know, that doesn't seem to ruffle her feathers either. That just sort of glides off her. So she has this sort of nearly like robotic quality to her, in my opinion. And then also when Jerry makes the crack about needing to get the insurance, because he's really going to beat the hell out of that car. <laughs> yes, and obviously yes. having a job about the fact that, you know, the car hire place is sort of stuffed him around. And so he's going to stuff their car up. But she has this just like look of dread and her face drops like she doesn't seem to get the humor no that's what i said before she doesn't have a sense of humor no yeah so that's how i found her a bit like robotic nearly yeah Mm. she probably doesn't get too many people saying that they'll beat up the cars yeah no other than when jerry goes you know anyone can take reservations and he flails his hands in the air that's my favorite part of this whole scene my next favorite part is it's it's not related to rita so i am going off on a slight tangent but just watching elaine's reactions to jerry and hers Her face yeah. is so animated. Yeah, it's really good. And she kind of yes. rolls her eyes a bit when, when Jerry... She's got like the slack jaw. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really, really good sort of subtle acting by uh, JLD as always. Yeah, great moments from her, yeah. And she has such great physical comedy when she steps into that. Like she doesn't always go down that line in the same way as Michael Richards, for example, but her potential mm. for physical comedy and when she did do the physical comedy stuff, it was always so good. Yeah, obviously Michael Richards is just sort of almost from another planet, but so is Kramer. Mm-hmm. It was but, his uh, birthday actually. That's a Seinfeld news we might have missed. Oh, yeah, that's It was true. his birthday yeah, just the yes. other day. Yeah, turned he 70, uh, turned 70, 71 or 72, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, happy Sorry. birthday, Michael Richards. Sorry we missed you in For Seinfeld. a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, you crazy animal. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone will actually care. No. Uh, that's fine, but yeah. At least we acknowledge it now, so that's fine. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for reminding us, Stacey. Uh, do either yeah. of you have anything else about Rita? Uh, well, for me, I think uh, I have to agree with what Stacey said. She is kind of robotic at times, and, yeah, she just she can't really budge. And also, another thing is, like, she doesn't seem to have much empathy for the customer. Mm. So Jerry explains the situation where, you know, the, the ambulance crashed into the car that he was hiring, but then, you know, on a technicality, Rita said, well, you weren't driving the car. You're only insured if you're driving it. And then Jerry does another wisecrack saying, but that's your business. You're renting cars to other drivers. Your whole business is other drivers. Your whole business is other drivers. But she doesn't even budge. She just, she, you know, there's no compassion, no empathy. She just, I, I think she really no. just sticks to the rules. She's like, nah, you didn't drive it. You owe me $2,800. You know, simple as that. Yeah, that's true. You both mm-hmm. make very uh, good points. I think I initially thought that maybe she was just trying to keep it together and was a bit over it, but I think she, yeah, is just robotic and stiff and very, I wrote very, clinical. On, very on the script. Yeah, clinical. Clinical, and, and, yes. Clinical. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very very scripted. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Elaine's episode boyfriend, Owen Marsh. 
He's played by Edward Penn. He's appeared also in Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Murder, She Wrote. He passed away this year in February. He was aged 93. Oh, wow. Yes. Good inning. Oh, yeah, 93, not bad. Almost a century. But yeah, with Owen, one thing that I thought of, and and it's in my notes, he looks really old for a 66-year-old guy. I mean, I've seen, like, these days, people in their 60s and 70s, while they do look old, I've seen many that look more youthful than him. He just looks like an 80-year-old. I don't know. What do you think? Like, were old people older looking back in the day, do you think? I feel like, um, I definitely would say he probably looks like older than what I guess you would expect a typical 66-year-old maybe to look like. You know, like he's got quite deep wrinkled skin. But, you know, Elaine obviously speaks to the fact that he's like in good shape and that he works out and stuff, the character, obviously. Right. But I also feel like, you know, in a sense, maybe that when you're looking at the way older people dressed in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, it was more expected that older people were more conservative, um, mm, whereas right. I feel like maybe in the modern generations there's more freedom for people to be a little bit less traditional. So, like, maybe he looks more, maybe he looks aged to us because the way that he's sort of styling himself and his appearance is more old-fashioned. Yeah. Ah, right. To answer your question, Ivan, I think maybe, yeah, may- maybe older people do look a bit younger now um you know maybe that health is a bit more of a thing you know general health amongst senior citizens has improved lifestyles have been you know a lot's changed in 30 i mean this episode is nearly 30 years ago so a 66 year old's mm. lifestyle back then would be different to a 66 year old's lifestyle now you know in terms yeah. of what they grew up with maybe what they're into yeah but i mean it's hard to say but i, I didn't think he looked much older than 66 uh at least no. initially but as as you guys mm. have been talking about it i've thought about it and yeah he looks maybe like early 70s like maybe five or seven years mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably say so. Well, I think you're right because he is he, he seems to be probably conservative because I think uh, Elaine says he wasn't a writer too, right? He, he's a writer. Yeah, yeah, an author, an essayist. So he's yes, probably yes, an academic. You know, mm-hmm. he moves in intellectual circles. He's, you know, yeah. probably had a long and illustrious career, maybe travelled overseas. Back mm, in yeah, the day right. when people didn't wear sunscreen and everybody has really <laughs> Skin. True. Elaine did say that uh, she enjoys hearing him talk because it's like he's reading one of his books. So I can mm. imagine him using a lot of big words that most people wouldn't really know. I, I don't imagine he would be pompous or pretentious. I imagine he'd be quite relatable and down to earth, but he's just a, an intellectual person who likes communicating in an intellectual style. Yeah. And Elaine does work or she did work in the publishing field at the time. So uh, it makes sense that he was uh, or she was interested in him. Yeah. And she I refers mean, to him as vibrant as well, which doesn't, yes. you know, she speaks to the fact that he's in good shape, he works out, he's vibrant. So he's not he doesn't necessarily like behave in the more typical um or what you might expect as like an older person. You know, he sounds like someone who's quite youthful and young at heart despite his years. Mm. Yeah, I, I you know, the the stereotype of like writers, especially like older men, is that they're quite self destructive or they drink a lot or that they're mm. sort of grim and miserable. I think mm. he yeah, I, I he you know, he hasn't you know, he's managed to avoid that pitfall, which I'm sure a lot of writers and intellectuals fall into. Do you think that, I mean, he was using Elaine for sex. Do you think that he, that is a constant behavior of his, that maybe, you know, he's able to attract younger, attractive women like Elaine because he is smart and because he is, you know, quite famous, you know, maybe, maybe fans of his. Do you think he is a bit of a, bit of a player? 
Yeah, I think so. I think he he's kind of like a Hugh Hefner light. Not in the sense that he has like 20, 23 year olds in his bed at one time, but I think because of, yeah, probably probably his voice and probably because of his fame as well. Yeah, he might attract very educated females and, you know, or, or fans who enjoy his books. And, you know, because you don't, you did mention he uses big words that most people wouldn't understand. And I think, yeah, he's probably, his intellectualism probably attracts them to him. Yeah, yeah well, he sure. gets a write up in the newspaper, the fact that he has had a stroke you know was written mm. up in the next day's newspaper so he's obviously quite a big name that that's you know being covered because they reference you know the fact that he was found at a friend's flat or whatever so he's some he's got that degree of notoriety that they're writing about him having had a stroke in mm. the news yeah for sure i think um i could imagine him being you know being an essayist i imagine he's a regular contributor to you know publications like the new yorker you know sort of mm-hmm. more highfalutin mm. publications or, or like vanity the, uh, fair back in the vanity day when fair. vanity fair used to to do like the more journalistic, less fashion. Yeah, things. yeah, and like you know, like the Atlantic or you know, mm. just the sort of more intellectual publications for sure. I just realised as well in the final scene when Elaine comes in and Jerry asks how uh, he's doing after she mentions that she ran into him. She said that he made a full recovery, but that's only yes. you know, what maybe like a week after. It's unclear that scene. Yeah, yeah. But, I think I, yeah. Well, I'm thinking because the paper said that he like because the ambulance crashed and they didn't come earlier, he, his symptoms were more severe and his stroke yeah. was actually like even less severe i think maybe they didn't want to leave it on to like a dark like a dark ending where he dies or he's a vegetable for the rest of his life i think they probably just they wanted that in to in the end. that up yeah. yeah they probably wanted to tidy it up a bit because even you mentioned before jerry said in, in an interview once it was really uncomfortable that scene so maybe jerry like probably went to larry and the other writer and said hey i think this is a bit too a bit too dark yeah just can we lift there. it a little bit and just tie that little yeah. bow on it and be like, oh yeah i saw owen he a he's using me for sex so we don't have to feel quite so bad for him anymore and b yeah. he's made nearly a full recovery the final point i wanted to make um about owen is that i think because he's in good health and uh, because he is vibrant, as Elaine describes, that probably helped his recovery as well. I think if mm. he if he wasn't yeah. as healthy, uh, maybe the recovery would have been longer, or maybe he wouldn't have recovered at all. So I think his uh, mm. his existing lifestyle before the stroke helped him out a lot, you know, in in recovery for sure. And also, like Stacey said, they kind of wanted to tidy it up and make it a bit neater uh, the storyline at the end. So I think it was like a double edged sword for sure, for sure. Yeah. It all worked mm. out for Owen. It did, and he got to have some Yankee beans. <laughs> Yankee. <laughs> And then he ended up having sex with many other younger women. So good. (laughs) So Owen got his back. Oh, and 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 more. Yes. (laughs) I just found it really quite. I think in true, you know, core four Seinfeld, you know, veiled nihilistic fashion. The way that Jerry and Elaine sort of just standing there talking about Owen, you know, and, and Jerry's like, oh, he's actually not that bad looking, you know, and then they're talking about his eyebrows and Elaine's like, oh, yeah, it's just not something you can really mention, you know, and she's obviously like disgruntled about the fact that she has to break up with him in person in the first place and, you know, that she was about to break up with him before he had the stroke and she was so close. Like they handle it in a very typical Seinfeld way, which, you know, I'm just thinking about it now actually 
actually, but this kind of behaviour is, you know, would be some of the things that they'd use in the trial at the end with the Good Samaritan um, mm, yeah. thing, I feel like, because this is an example of when they do, you know, when they get too too far <laughs> um, yeah. into the apathy. But, you know, they're just standing there like it's been 35 minutes and Elaine says to Jerry, do you think he's breathing? It's like if yeah. that person's been on your sofa for half an hour and you don't know if they're breathing or not, you're doing a very bad job of keeping yeah. them alive. You need to yeah, renew I, I your think... first aid certificate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or just just get some just get some empathy and some care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Which they don't have. So I found that pretty jarring, you know, just yeah. sort of thinking about how you would be responding, even if it was someone you didn't know super well, you know, they're just standing around like waiting for it's like they're waiting for a coffee order <laughs> you know yeah, the way that their dialogue is so that was just another thing that I noticed obviously feeling very bad for poor Owen um mm. you know at the time we don't know that he's had a stroke it's not until after that we find out that he's had a stroke for all we know he's just you know lost consciousness or whatever but yeah the scene where he's in the the wheelchair and Elaine's feeding him food and then she goes to break up with him and you know you could see even though he can't communicate and he can't really you know he doesn't seem to have like full control of his facial muscles as you would expect with a stroke you know you can tell that he's got a sense of animation and when she's talking about the good stuff you know he's sort of nodding and smiling and then when she starts to actually break up with him you can see on his face that's a pretty bad time yeah, that was um, pretty so well I definitely, that yeah i i definitely felt for poor owen um and even when she says you know that he was using her for sex not that I'm saying that that's a good quality that anyone should have, but hey, like if you're 66 and you can get a hot young 30-something-year-old, why not? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, <laughs> a, a purely sexual relationship is perfectly fine as long as, you know, everyone's And Elaine found him intellectually engaging, so it wasn't yeah, just I, there was more to it than that. They both got what they you know, mm. they needed out of it and it was all good yes. and, you know, it worked out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a a, a, a a nice ending to a dark storyline for sure. Yes. All right. I've got one note on the paramedic. I think obviously being a paramedic is a stressful job. I couldn't imagine doing it myself. But I think – these the, times. Yeah, for sure. I think um, the fact that George crashed the car causing the delay because of the movie production and everything that's going on, I think that would have just elevated the frustration in this situation and coming into the scene, you know, running late, not knowing what he's walking into uh, and then seeing the cookie in his mouth, (laughs) you know, him sort of... You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, him sort of chiding uh, Elaine and Jerry saying, you're not supposed to do that, you know, like Mm, just let let the professionals deal with it. I think that would have been a more frustrating and stressful day than usual for him considering everything. Absolutely. Yeah, I just seemed... I just sort of felt like they, kind of in the similar way to Sid, they sort of felt the paramedics, well, obviously only one has dialogue, but, you know, they've been stuck in traffic for 20 minutes, they say. They arrived 20 minutes ago, but they couldn't get past because of the traffic jam. But they don't Mm. seem like people who have been urgently waiting to cut through traffic for 20 minutes. They both seem, you know, like you said, a bit frustrated, but also just a bit tired and a bit beat down. And when the guy, the paramedic says, you know, who put cookies in his mouth? He's not like, he doesn't sound super stressed. He's not agitated. He's more so like nearly like a bit salty about it. He's like, who put cookies Mm. in his mouth? You know, (laughs) exasperated. Well, the ambulance Um, did crash into the Jerry's car, though, the uh, the escort. Yeah, I guess if you're a paramedic in New York, you probably have a pretty high tolerance for drama and stress. You've seen everything. That's true. (laughs) I'm just just thinking that movie shoot down the road has caused a lot of problems. Massive, yeah. I mean, a lot of of issues have spun out of that movie shoot. Well, even the newspaper article said that Woody Allen isn't sure 
sure if he'll even shoot films in New York anymore. Yeah, well, they it, sort of hint at it, the fact that it might have ended his um, New York filming career, which would be a big blow. Yeah, yeah George Clark is an existential crisis. Yeah, I mean, for, for public health and public well-being, maybe it's a good thing. You know, maybe you should yeah. film in a city that looks like New York but isn't New York or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of LA, issues seem like to have spun out of that. Yeah, something like that. Now, Stacey, I believe you have some notes on The Car Thief. Yeah, so I just um, – I obviously just made a couple of notes on The Car Thief. Obviously, we don't, we don't ever – this person but we know that Jerry's car gets stolen and then when he's talking to Kramer and George about you know whether he should contact the police and then he says he's going to cancel his car phone service and decides to ring his car phone you know the the guy that he's speaking to um who's you know voiced by Larry David uh he seems very sort of like nonchalant and you know he just kind of he makes it out like he was just walking past the car saw the keys and quite opportunistically jumped in it and decided to take it for a joyride and even he sort of says like oh I'm just gonna drive it around and Jerry asks for it back and then he's like hmm no, I think I'll keep it. Um, yeah, yeah. So it seems like it's all very spur of the moment and that it's not yeah. necessarily the kind of person who's usually, you know, purposely out there, you know, stealing cars and that this is like very opportunistic. And I think yeah. also the yeah. fact that he's like talking to Jerry on the phone like they're sort of old chums from university or something maybe that are like reconnecting <laughs> yeah. after a long time because he's like, oh, is that Jerry? And yeah. yeah. Jerry's like, yeah. Really and then he calls back the second time to ask about the DBS. Yeah, he, the defroster. Yeah, I don't think he's a career criminal. Um, I don't no. know. He's a thief. Maybe he's just bored with his life. Maybe he was just walking down the street and he's like, you know what? I need Ooh, some. Oh, he's seeking a thrill. I need some, yeah, yeah, I need some excitement. Yeah. And he was just looking for something, and he saw the keys, and he thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it and see what happens. But he still sounds bored. That's the thing. So maybe, maybe yeah. the, the maybe maybe stealing the car and then talking to the owner of the car uh, yeah. didn't do it for him. Maybe he needs a bigger rush than that. Maybe he's like, you know, and then maybe after this, you know, he's got to escalate the thrill to get what he needs i don't know just yeah until he ends up in jail yeah yeah maybe, but maybe jail is the rush i don't know maybe he's on a real self-destructive spiral or something i'm, I'm not sure but yeah. i thought his uh nonchalant and sort of casual conversational tone and manner uh in the you know in his scenes was was pretty funny just when he's like yeah i don't think i'm gonna do that just like yeah whatever yeah. just he just doesn't yeah. care and it's great what what you would expect um yeah. of a conversation to go between somebody whose car has just been stolen and the person who was currently driving the car like they're both relating yeah. to each other in this very strange way he reminded me a bit of jerry actually like you know mm. jerry's usually pretty like blase about even in the final scene when jerry goes uh you know when george is like you know i crashed your car and it cost you two thousand dollars i'll get this bill and jerry's just like oh yeah a cup of coffee should fix it like he doesn't he even care do. that his friend cost him like three grand and i'd yeah. be it wouldn't make me not be friends with the person but i wouldn't be as blase as jerry is about it so i don't no. know maybe that's why they connect on the phone because they can sense each other's just like yeah whatever you know, yeah. we'll see what happens yeah. attitude. you know one thing that it reminds me of steve i could imagine a plot like this being in a curb your enthusiasm episode i can imagine like larry you know in curb he'd leave his keys in the car and then he goes to get his car and it's gone and then like he said like he might be with jeff or something and then, you know, he sees, like, his car and, and like, someone's driving it, you know. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a curb thing. And then yeah. they somehow, like, bump into each other and become friends. Yeah, or Larry just confronts him and he's like, why'd mm. you steal my car? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it just sounds really curby. Yeah, it's a bit wacky for sure. But, yeah. Uh, 
definitely. Yeah. And I like the tie-off where, you know, they're sitting around the table in the diner and Kramer pulls out the brown gloves and Jerry yeah. just like sort of throws his hands up in the air in, um, in you know, in this kind of like defeated fashion, but he doesn't even really say anything. It's just more of those like, you know, like he's kind of like hanging and shaking his head in a way because he's just like, oh my God, like, can you believe this guy? Mm. I think he actually says, oh, give me a break. And then, mm. and then right, yeah, yeah. he's like, Oh, yeah. bloody hell. Like, my, my life is just yeah. strange. <laughs> I think in a later episode, um, they find his car. Might be in later in the season. Yeah. That rings yeah, a bell. Yeah, so they actually find it. Yeah, yeah. I think I forgot which episode, but I'm it pretty sure. It gets dumped somewhere, doesn't it? In, like, yeah, King it's or something. Yeah. Mm. That's it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they go to get it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. Jerry has to go retrieve it. Yeah, I mean, that's typical Seinfeld sort of, you know, tying up those loose ends and good with continuity. All right. Yeah. I think that is all the secondary characters for this episode. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come out, we'll find uh, when we come back i should say not when we come out <laughs> not that there's anything wrong <laughs> with that at all i was out and i wasn't even in <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that when we come back we'll talk about what we think of the episode and whether any of the secondary characters make our top 20 of all time what do i say if he picks up <laughs> hello hello is this uh five 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 eight three eight three i have no idea can i ask you a question sure did you steal my car yes i did <laughs> You did? I did. But that's my car. I didn't know it was yours. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Drive around. Then can I have it back? Mm, no, I'm going to keep it. Alrighty, and Ivan, where do you have the alternate side uh, ranked in your list of episodes thus far? Well, Stacey, out of 137 episodes we've Ooh, done so nice, far. Nice uh, work, yes, Yeah, we're almost at the end. I think we yeah. said the other week, Steve, we've got, what, another 30-something episodes to go? Yeah, about 30, 30 to 35, something like that. Yeah, All so right. we're not, not, not quite a go. I'll come back again before you're done. Oh, oh, of course, sure. yeah, you can come back At least time, once, yeah. if not a couple of times. Well, it's not like we're doing anything else right now. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, out of 137 episodes we've yes. done, uh, this one actually ranked really highly for me, number 23. Ooh. Nice. Really liked it. Is I thought it was really good. It hits and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. It's really fun. It's, I feel like it's one of those um, sort of like underrated episodes, I think, because it's got yeah. a sort of strange name that doesn't help it stand out. Like we were sort of discussing mm. that earlier, weren't we, saying that there's a bunch of different things this episode could have been called and I sort of, you know, said that I had to look up what the alternate side parking rules even really meant because I don't think that we really do that here or at least nowhere that I've ever lived. So it doesn't jump out at you as a particularly memorable episode, but when you do actually go back and watch it, it's got some really classic moments and obviously the reference to the pretzels is like such a big Seinfeld reference point. Yeah. Mm. But sorry, Ivan, you were <laughs> I was agreeing with you too passionately. No, that's fine. That's what you're here for. Um no, so what what I was saying was I really enjoyed uh, the plots, especially with Jerry at the renter car place, you know, holding mm. the reservation. That's probably one of my favorite <laughs> Jerry scenes <laughs> out of all yep. of Seinfeld. He just like gives it to this poor customer service rep who's just trying to get through her day. Um yeah, I I just really I loved pretty much all the subplots. I thought they were really funny. They're all great. They all hit for me. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I would agree. This sits at number 18 for me. So it's, uh, yeah, first top 20 appearance uh, in quite a while. I don't think there's any weak moments. Um, I love just how organic George falls into his plot line of parking the cars and just how it completely, yes. you know, sort of Very fucks nuts. him up and how it, you know, yes. creates other storylines and just him being flustered and then losing yeah. it out the window is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. obviously- It's making me thirsty. 
Jerry! Yeah. He yells and, it out and, the window and Jerry's trying not to laugh. It's so yeah. good. A lot yeah. of the time as well, when there's four sort of concurrent storylines and then they all coalesce at the end, sometimes it can seem forced or not smooth. Yeah. But I thought that the way that these came together at the end and the way that they interacted with each other throughout the episode were really good. Didn't feel mm. forced. It felt very natural. Uh, yeah, very much agree. Thought. Yeah, They literally collide. Yeah, exactly. It, they do. Yeah, Sid's, yeah. Sid's storyline is great. Jerry's on fire in this episode. Car Thief is yeah. great. All the secondary characters are good in their own right. Yeah, can't mm-hmm. really fault it. Uh, what about mm-hmm. you, Stace? I know you don't have a list officially because you haven't been there. I don't have a before. list. So I usually just really say, ask. like, yeah, there's, like, the classics that, you know, are the iconic ones or at least, like, my favourite ones. Um, and then there's, like, the very good episodes, the sort of, you know, mid-pack ones and then the ones that yeah. I don't really, you know, like or find super funny. As I was saying, like, I feel like this one isn't one of the ones that springs to mind immediately. You know, when you said to me that we were doing the alternate side, I didn't know straight away that that was the pretzel episode. Right. So I feel like the the reference actually has, like, sort of superseded the notoriety of the episode itself. But having mm. watched it, and obviously, like, I do agree with the points you've both made, like, the story arcs are wonderful, the way everybody kind of crosses paths and ties into one another is really fluid and organic, and it all comes around really nicely, but in a sort of not too forced fashion um, at the end of the episode with everyone in the diner. It's pretty no nonsense, this one. It's only got a few pretty basic sets and scenes. There's very few people in the episode. Like it just does a really good job of what it's there to do. It's a bit dark and nihilistic, but in a very sort of carefree fashion as Seinfeld often is. So I think that, um, you know, I rank it higher now having watched it than I would have gone if we'd just sort of taken it at face value. So I would say probably pop. I'm going to say like 60 to 60 to 80 percent on the scale, somewhere around there. Sweet, pretty yeah. high. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah pretty high. <laughs> good, very, very yeah. good, very good. Not too shabby at all. Uh, not, all too right. not too thirsty. Not too very well hydrated. Not too very well <laughs> hydrated. Right. Well, Stephen, I was going to say, do any of today's secondary characters make your top twenty? None make mine. Uh no, but my favorite secondary character from this episode is Sid for sure. Love him. My favorite's the car thief. What about you, Stace? Yeah, I, I really like the car thief. Yeah, I me too. I really like so that good. whole concept um, and how ridiculous it is and how, yeah, just very um, nonchalant this person is at the other end of the phone and having the cheek to, like, ring back and ask about the mister and stuff. I just think that's fabulous. He's enough of a cunt that he steals someone's car, but he's not enough of a cunt that he keeps the gloves. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I just think that that's really magical. Yeah, it is cool. Nice. I think that if, if it wasn't Kramer who asked for his gloves back, he probably wouldn't have cared. Kramer has that ability to just sort of charm almost. He just gets people on side. Yeah, so I think I think somehow Kramer, you know, in his what three or four lines that he has with him, you know, gets him to do that. But uh, yeah, it is it is a nice contradiction that he steals a car but returns gloves. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is this week's episode. Of, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Thank you once again for joining us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email bidwabaspodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Obviously, you can listen to all of our previous episodes on whatever podcast app you use. And if you want to support us, you can leave a five star rating or review. Um, or just yes, let us know. Please. What- That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. Thank yes. You. Do do what Stacy commands, and uh, you can Show support us. Show us your us. love. Show us Show your us love. love. I five star you, love. I bring Show you us your gloves. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, brown, your brown gloves. Your brown gloves. <laughs> <laughs>
That's it. That's it. You can support us financially as well. That's right. Patreon, PayPal, and Pod Hero. And like I said at the start of the episode, Patreon, you do get bonus podcasts, including Curbcast and Season 11. So patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C to check that out. Indeed. And uh, make sure you check out our Facebook as well, uh, Facebook group as well, Seinfeldisms. Uh, I think the weekend after this uh, episode airs on our normal feed, you can check out some regular Seinfeld trivia events that I'll be running through the page. So head to Seinfeldisms on Facebook and check out all the details there. Stacey, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we love having you on. And, uh, yeah, thanks. We, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again soon because we are, as we said before, getting towards the uh, home stretch of Seinfeld. So uh, we'd love to have you back. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Yeah, Stace. my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, as I said, you know, we were already set to, to have done it a little while ago. So it's good to have finally gotten it together, um, even though it's in this new platform. It's really lovely to to chat shit with you boys as always and to talk about one of my favourite things in the world, uh, which is Seinfeld. And um, yeah, and also... It's, uh, it's just really nice to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. some basic, just some basic interaction goes a long way. I know. Uh, I went. I had you... to run some errands the other day, and I went up to the um, local shopping center, and I realized that I was a little bit starved for human interaction because I had way too yeah. much fun going <laughs> to the shop. Yeah, I did that. I did that the other day as well. I think I went to a cafe and uh, I ordered a coffee, and I was waiting, and there was a tiny bit of chit chat between the barista and I. You know, how's your day? What are you doing today? Mm. That sort of stuff. And mm. I was trying really hard to keep the conversation going. I was asking him like, oh, I think I was asking him about his coffee machine or something like that. Yeah. I could tell that he, he was very polite, but he was just like, look, man, you know, we've we've said hello, take your coffee, piss off. But I was like, hey, yeah. man, what's going on? Like, yeah, tell me about your coffee machine. Like, you talk just to have, me on You board. just have so much enthusiasm for the most yeah. mundane things at the moment. That's it. Yeah. I felt, I felt like an excited puppy. You know, it's just like, okay, yeah. I've you. Like, go away. Like, you know, leave me alone okay. now. Yeah. 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 I'll, um, um, I'm happy to do another episode whilst we're all still in lockdown because it's just nice to talk to people. I mean, hopefully the next time you come on, hopefully the lockdown will end and you can come here to Vandalay Studios. Yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know you're welcome on any time, Stace. Oh, so- thanks. Yeah, and the uh, listeners love you too, so it works out. In, indeed. Everyone, we all love you. What are we doing next week, Ivan? Uh, we're doing the season nine premiere, The Butter Shave. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just instantly had the gif of Michael oh, Richards' hey, head on the end of the turkey. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, or whatever buddy. it is. Hey, buddy. The little wing. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so we'll be talking about the secondary characters from there next week. So uh, tune in next week and uh, have a good one. And yes, that's it. And take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you then. See you later. Bye. Bye.